0: Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Thank you for joining us for Easter here at Oaks Church. You guys look beautiful. There you go. There you go. We are still in Texas, uh, just making sure. That's what I was really going for, Gary. Thank you. Uh, I got to tell you, it's, you know, Easter, I don't get nervous when I speak um, because I've been doing it a long time and I've got thousands and tens of thousands of hours of speaking. But on Easter, I feel a little extra pressure. Because I know that that oftentimes this is my one shot at certain people, um, and, and I'm not I'm not I'm not talking about people that the CEO Christians right Christmas Easter and other special occasions. I'm not talking about that. I'm I'm talking about someone that may have been invited that doesn't know Jesus yet. And so I, I'm I'm filled with anticipation. I'm filled with excitement. I'm honored to have the opportunity to share um, the Word of God with you today. And I just want to take a moment and pray. This is such a beautiful day. We're surrounded by beautiful people. We have a beautiful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that died for all of our sins. None of us can earn heaven. None of us can earn heaven. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. And we have one. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you that you would release your word today. That you would speak so clearly, so powerfully to your people. Father, nobody is here to listen to clever ideas from a guy. We want to hear from your voice. We want to hear from your heart. Holy Spirit, would you release your word to your people and and convict them, Father? You're not a God of, 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 of condemnation or shame or guilt. You're a God of conviction. You provoke us to be who you designed us to be. Father, would you awaken us today? Would you revitalize us today? God, would you make us alive inside in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, our series has been called Alive Inside. Last week we talked about uh, impossible times. What are impossible times? How do we believe through impossible times? and how God is the God of the impossible. Jesus is the Lord of the impossible. There's nothing impossible to God. There's nothing that's impossible with faith. The Bible says that faith is what overcomes the world. And this faith that we have is a gift from God. Did you know that your faith doesn't earn your salvation? Your faith, we, we can't compare one person's faith to the next person's faith. Oh, well, I just have more faith than them. Your faith, according to the scriptures, is actually a gift that God gave you. You only have that faith because God gave gave you that faith you can't even brag about your faith it's all his grace and it's all his faith he gave you his faith and he's looking for you to walk in faith unconditionally the same way he walked in faith unconditionally when he gave his only son to pay the price for the sins of the world you understand that that was an act of faith on God's behalf God gave his son with no strings attached. The whole world could reject him, but God took the risk, believing in faith that his love would be something that would capture the imaginations of his creation. Alive inside. What makes you feel alive inside? Is there something, is there a hobby? For me, it's anything fast, Anything where there's wind in my face, oh my God, snowboarding. I feel so alive on a snowboard, f- flying down a mountain as fast as I can. Uh, on this last little trip, I got to get a couple of days, having my, my 12-year-old daughter on a snowboard for the first time, one of the greatest joys of my life, a- and I was riding with a buddy, and, and he had a thing that clocked his speed, and, and he clocked me going about 48 miles an hour down the mountain. I had a helmet on. <laughs> Finally. Finally. Motorcycle, oh my God, I love a motorcycle, wind in my face, the thrill, the scare, jumping off of things. I'm a true Gen Xer. I, I love the thrill of jumping off. I would absolutely bungee over a giant canyon with your head going right down to the wall. I would do that in a heartbeat. I would jump out of an airplane. My wife won't let me. I love thrill. I love it. It makes me feel alive. But that's not true life. See, Jesus is life. And it doesn't matter how much wind, doesn't matter how fast I go, doesn't matter how many thrills I seek, that's not actually true life. It will temporarily make me feel more alive, but then it ends all of our successes, all of our accomplishments, all of the things that make us feel alive, apart from Jesus, wind up empty? Why is it that some of the wealthiest, most successful people, most famous people in the whole world have the world by the tail, but are on their sixth marriage, committing suicide, at the same rates as people that are in abject poverty. In fact, it might surprise you the times I've been in different parts around the world and seen people that live in dumps, literally live in the trash heaps, generations of people living in shanties, but they know Jesus. And they're the happiest people you've ever seen. They live in the garbage. Jesus is life. 1 John 5, 12. Whoever has the Son, Jesus, has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. If you have the Son, you have life. If you don't have the Son, you don't have Life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. I'm the only way. I'm the only truth. I'm the only life. There is no other way outside of Jesus. There is no other truth outside of Jesus. You you don't get to have your truth. You don't get to live your truth. Because your truth is circumstantial. And circumstances change. And the definition of the word true is that it does not change. There is one truth, in his name is Jesus. He's the only life. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life, and life more abundantly. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. We're in the middle of this week, it's called... Uh, Passion week. We're right here at the end of it. We're celebrating the resurrection. I'll read to you in just a moment the some of the stories, some of the accounts of of them finding the tomb empty and I've been to the tomb in Israel and It's incredible because the actual garden tomb is literally right next to the stone this hillside that there's a face of the skull inside of the hillside Golgotha it means the place of the skull and when you look at the rocks you see a skull inside of the rocks And if you turn and look, right here is the garden tomb where they believed Jesus was buried and resurrected. But this entire week is a fulfillment of prophecy. See, Jesus riding in to Jerusalem on the donkey as a king of peace, the prince of peace, the lamb of God, he was presenting himself to the nation of Israel. It was on The Sunday, that first Sunday, that's when the lamb was presented to the high priest. See, each year, one lamb was presented. Each year, one sacrifice was presented for all of the sins of the nation. Now, each individual family would bring their own lamb, but there was one specific lamb that was the sacrifice shown to the high priest and for four days, that lamb was inspected. And on the fourth day, according to Jewish custom, according to Jewish tradition, on the fourth day, the lamb was slain. It would be, the, the word was between the evenings. It was after 3 p.m., before 6 p.m. The Jewish day is different than our day. Our day begins at a.m. is when our day begins. The Jewish day began at sundown. Approximately 6 p.m. was when the new day began. And so there was an evening first and then a morning, and the day ended at 6 p.m. So on Wednesday, Wednesday ended at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night. And Thursday began at 6.01 p.m. on what we call Wednesday night. Well, according to scholars, and now because of the way that we can map the sky and that we can map dates through supercomputers, they have discovered that in the year 30 AD, which is when it's believed Jesus was born and he lived for 30 years, the BC is before Christ, the AD is after Christ. In the year of 30 AD, the, the actual Passover, which is what we're celebrating, Jesus is the Passover lamp. Passover was the fulfillment. You remember that the the Jews were in slavery in Egypt, and the Passover lamb was uh, was a ceremony where they all sacrificed the lamb, and the death angel went over their camp. And the next day, God rescued them out. All of the firstborn sons uh, of of every of every family and every animal in Egypt was slain, except for all of the Jewish families were protected because of the Passover lamb that was slain. That's what Jesus represents. He represents the payment for all of the sins that protects us from the destroyer. It's a beautiful picture. But according to the calendar, according to history, there were actually two Sabbaths. This is a confusing thing. But inside of the week Of passion, there were two Sabbaths. The normal Sabbath, the weekly Sabbath, it it begins at Friday, 6 p.m. It goes till Saturday, 6 p.m. That's the Sabbath. All of Jerusalem shuts down. All of of the practicing Jews, they don't do anything between Friday at 6 p.m. to Saturday at 6 p.m. Saturday at 6.01 p.m. is when Sunday begins for them. Different calendar. But in the week of Jesus' death, there were two Sabbaths. There was the Sabbath that was the high holy Sabbath for Passover. And then there was a back-to-back, a second Sabbath. So according to Jewish tradition, the Passover lamb actually is sacrificed. It's inspected for four days. Then it's sacrificed at Wednesday between 3 p.m. and 6 p.m. And that's when Jesus died, according to tradition. Now we have a modern Christian tradition that calls something Good Friday, but it doesn't actually fit the actual calendar. It's not a bad thing to, to, uh, to celebrate it or to honor it, but historically and theologically, it, Jesus had to be dead for three days and three nights, or he was a liar. Jesus said, like Jonah was in the belly of the whale, For three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the center of the earth for three days and three nights. Jesus could not have died on Friday afternoon and then risen again on Sunday morning because that's not three days and three nights. And we know that Jesus is the truth, doesn't lie. So according to the Jewish calendar, it's actually on the Wednesday afternoon that the Passover lamb is slain. Jesus would have died for our sins on Wednesday afternoon. The following day is the day of preparation. The day of preparation is when Joseph Arimathea takes the body of Jesus. He actually took it down that night after, so it would already have been the day of preparation. I don't don't want to get you confused here with all of these, but that all day Thursday would have been the preparation day. Putting him in the tomb, they wrapped him in fine linen. They had a hundred pounds of ointment that they covered him in. He literally would have been wrapped in this linen and then sealed. His his body, would it it would begin to harden and then they rolled the stone in front of it according to scripture the day after preparation day is the sabbath the high holy sabbath not the weekly sabbath that happens friday night to saturday night but the high holy sabbath and that's the day that the priests came and said to Pilate, we have to put a guard because he said that he would come back to life he would rise again after three days not on the third day After three days, this is important y'all, because Jesus is the truth. So they seal the stone on Friday. The stone says, sealed, sealed on Saturday, the guard is there. At 6 p.m. on Saturday night, it's all of a sudden Sunday on the Jewish calendar. And sometime between then, we have a resurrection. Now I want to read you a story and why is this important? Why are these dates important? They're only important is to understand how accurate and how true and how excellent God is that nothing happens by accident. Everything is on purpose. The word of God is absolutely true. And the resurrection is the centerpiece of God's word. The resurrection is the centerpiece of the gospel. See, the scriptures declare that if there is no resurrection, we are all still in our sin. And our faith is futile, and we're the most pitied of all people if there is no resurrection. But there is a resurrection. It's an event that had over 500 eyewitnesses. There, there's no court case that would not be victorious with 500 eyewitnesses all agreeing upon the same thing. It's a proven historical fact. Jesus was dead for three days and three nights, and after that, he rose again. And for 40 days, he appeared and and trained and taught people, and he was seen by over 500 people. The resurrection is massively important. See, in fact, according to many of us uh, that grew up uh, reading the Bible, we learned a thing called Roman's Road. This is how to lead someone to the Lord. And according... In Romans Road, you go through the different places in Romans that you have to recognize that you're a sinner and you're in need of a Savior and that there was a sacrifice that was made, that if you accept this sacrifice that you can be forgiven for your sins. And in Romans 10, it talks about how specifically the process happens for you to receive salvation. And the number one thing it says is that you must believe that Jesus rose from the dead. We talk a lot about the cross. We sing a lot about the cross. The cross is massively important. But if he didn't rise from the dead, the cross is just one of millions. Because the Romans crucified people all the time. And they didn't crucify them and pull them down. It was a special request to get Jesus' body down. Normally they left them up as a spectacle, as a warning to create fear so no one would ever come against the Roman Empire. If you believe in your heart that he rose from the dead and confess with your mouth that he is your Lord, you will be saved. Let's go to the garden. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake... For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen just as he said, come and see the place where we lay. And they went in and they looked at the tomb and it was empty and the grave clothes were still there. The the, the linen that was wrapped around him that was covered in a hundred pounds of ointment would have been like a shell with no body in it. The body just moved through it. It wasn't unraveled. They didn't do like in the cartoons where they pull on the mummy and he spins around. He literally in his glorified state passes through the linens and leaves the linen shroud, the shell there. The scriptures record that he actually took off the face covering, and folded it neatly, and sat it down next to the next to the grave clothes that he passed through. See, Jesus in his glorified body had the ability to, to go uh, to go between walls, just walk through. He's a like, man. Your glorified body's going to be amazing, y'all. Mine's going to be like six four, chiseled. No more squatty body. (laughs) The women stayed outside the tomb. They were confused. They were upset. Luke 24, verse 5 records, In their fright, the women bowed down when they saw this angel. They covered their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, the angels that were there, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you. In Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day he will rise again. In John's account, the last one we'll read, verse 20, or chapter twenty, verse eleven says, "Now Mary stood outside the tomb. The others had left. Mary standing outside the tomb. She'd already gone and told Peter and James and John and the others. And they ran there and they saw the empty tomb. And they go back to try to sort through things. And Mary is standing there just weeping because she loved Jesus so much. He was gone." And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. She said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She recognized his voice. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And then she went and did that. Guys, even in death, even in death, Jesus was alive inside. See, Jesus' body died. Jesus is eternal. See, what you need to understand, what we all must understand is that Jesus is God. Not just a man, not just a good man, not just a prophet. He was God born in the flesh. And then he was filled with the Spirit of God. The Bible says, and the scriptures declare that inside of Jesus's human body, the entirety of the Godhead dwelt in him in bodily form. All of God, every ounce, every drop, every bit of God lived inside of the physical body of Jesus Christ. Some of the outside reports, things that were written about Jesus, there's actually an ancient uh, book called the Arco Volumes, another called Octa the actual journal of Pontius Pilate. And inside of the journal of Pontius Pilate, Pontius Pilate describes his interactions with Jesus. It's an ancient document. And inside of his interactions, he describes looking into Jesus' eyes And being absolutely terrified because he had never seen more authority inside of a human being in his entire life. This is a man, Pontius Pilate, who knew Caesar, the emperor of Rome. Who interacted with Caesar, the emperor of Rome. And Caesar, the controller of the entire world at that time, paled in comparison to the authority inside of Jesus. That's why they couldn't touch him. That's why when they tried to kill him, he would just walk right through. He was alive inside. See, it doesn't matter what we try to do to make ourselves feel alive. People do all kinds of crazy things. People self-medicate. They, they abuse substances. Uh, they, 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 they watch movies. They, do all, they have escapes. We have all these different ways that we escape, that we try to create thrills to try to make ourselves feel more alive but it's all for naught because Jesus is life. See, I, I, um, I've been serving Jesus for a long time. I would love to tell you how great I am at it that I never mess up. But the reality is I'm, I'm just a regular guy and I have regular guy issues and, and I have to ask forgiveness. I asked, had to ask forgiveness this morning. I'm, I'm a regular guy. And I, and I need Jesus. I need a savior just like you. Please don't put me up on some pedestal. I don't want to fall off and break my neck or something. When I was 16, I got in a lot of trouble. Uh, I was dealing with tremendous pain in my life. Um, I was dealing with the reality uh, that I had been molested by a cousin and I had buried it in my subconscious. And, and as, that, as that reality came to light in my life, I, I was full of rage and anger. This sweet, fun-loving kid turned into a, a vicious, violent, angry person. And I would do anything to find a way to numb the pain. Any type of of, of activity, any type of bad habit, any type of promiscuous behavior, anything to numb the pain. And and, and I was ruining my life. I was destroying my life. And I ended up getting arrested. My my dad had to come to the the, the Tulsa police station downtown two o'clock in the morning to get me out. It was the lowest moment of my life. But it was in that low place that God met me, and it was in that low place that God began to reveal himself to me, that Jesus began to reveal himself to me, that I began to have a revelation of Jesus Christ, that I began to all of a sudden desire the things of God because I watched, I was watching my life like outside of, a, of, a, of my own body, watching myself destroy my own life, and I I needed a savior. It didn't matter that I'd grown up in church. It didn't matter that I knew who Jesus was. It didn't matter that I believed in him. I wasn't living for him. And in my place of brokenness, he met me. And and in my place of need, he filled me. And he made me alive inside for the very first time in my young adult life. I experienced Jesus and it changed everything for me. I became obsessed with God's presence. I became obsessed with hearing his voice, with knowing him. It became the greatest habit and addiction of my life was having another encounter with God because he made me alive. He made me come alive. I don't know where you find yourself today, but I can tell you this for sure. I've seen it put this way. They're going to put a slide on the screen that says, know Jesus, N-O, no life. But you can also know Jesus, K-N-O-W, and you can know life. There's an opportunity for you to know true life. See, what did Jesus do in the tomb? He wasn't dead. His body was dead temporarily. But his spirit was alive. What all did he do in the tomb? Well, the scripture says he was very busy for those three days and three nights. The scriptures declare that he descended into the grave. Remember, he told the, 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 the thief on the cross who put his faith in Jesus, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus taught how uh, about a place, in scripture it's called Sheol, it was the grave, and it was the place, a holding place for the dead that died in faith, believing in God, yet not righteous, but believing in God, and those that died outside of faith that were evil. And Jesus described it as two different holding places. One of them was a paradise where you're waiting to be rescued and taken to heaven. The other was a tormenting place where you were in anguish and there was a great chasm in between and no one could cross it. And the Scriptures declared that when Jesus was in the tomb, that he descended to the grave. In, in the book of First Peter, Peter describes that Jesus actually preached to the prisoners in the grave. Everyone that had died before Jesus that died in faith, their only way to heaven was through faith in the same Savior that you have. So Jesus, according to Scripture, descended into the grave and he preached to the prisoners. And then it says in the book of Ephesians that he led captivity captive. Those that were captive in the grave, they were in captivity. They were prisoners in death. But they had not yet had the opportunity to hear and put their faith in Jesus. So even those in the grave had the opportunity to put their faith in Jesus. Don't tell me Jesus isn't just that good. Don't tell me that he can't go above and beyond to reach people. I've seen people saved miraculously. People you thought would never get saved because of the goodness of Jesus. I've seen people come out of a coma and have had an experience with Jesus in a coma got saved in a coma. Don't tell me he's not good. He led captivity captive, and then he ascended into heaven, and he gave gifts down to men. We're going to talk over these next few weeks a new series called The Genius of Jesus. We're going to go into the amazing teachings of Jesus, and one of those teachings is his teachings about the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus didn't just go to heaven and leave us all by ourselves. He said, I'm not gonna leave you by yourselves. I'm sending you a comforter. I'm sending you a counselor. I'm sending you a helper. I'm sending you my power. I'm gonna fill you with the same power that I walked in so that you can do what I've done and even greater things. There's an amazing opportunity inside of the genius of Jesus. But today I wanna make you... an offer, I wanna make an opportunity for you. You may be watching us online right now. You could be sitting in a hotel room, sitting in a living room somewhere. You could be listening on a podcast a couple of weeks from now, it doesn't matter. I want you to take a moment and listen to this opportunity. You have the opportunity to know Jesus and to know true life. You have the opportunity on this Easter Sunday, 2022, to become alive inside. You may believe in Jesus, you may have known him in the past, he may have been your Lord and Savior in times gone by, but if you're really honest with yourself, you may realize that he's not your Lord now and you don't live for him, you've been living for yourself. And if that's where you find yourself today, I wanna give you the opportunity to simply say yes to Jesus. It's not hard. You simply say yes to Jesus. You declare his name. You put your faith in his resurrection, not just the cross. Not just the cross. In his resurrection. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He sent his Holy Spirit down to live inside of you. And he's coming back again. And make him your Lord and Savior. Pray with me today across this room and all over online. Father, in the name of Jesus. Pray pray this with me. Father, in the name of Jesus. Today I say yes to you. I put my faith in you, Jesus. I will live for you. I will give you my life. I will give you my future. Forgive me for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. Today I make you my Lord, my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now I want to give you a quick opportunity just to allow us to celebrate with you If you're online, I would love for you to send us a message, info at oakschurch.com or just put a message down, comment down in there uh, in the comment section that you gave your life to the Lord today. You rededicate your life and we'll contact you. We wanna get you a Bible, we wanna get you a gift, we wanna connect with you and help you. But if you're in this room today and you made that decision, I wanna give you the opportunity to make a bold move, a bold stand. To accept and acknowledge Jesus publicly is a very big thing. That's what that's what baptism represents as well. But a very simple approach today. I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand. That's it. Just gonna ask you to raise your hand in just a moment to acknowledge Jesus. You made a decision for Jesus, and this is the reason I'm gonna ask you to do this. Because Jesus said, if you acknowledge me in front of people, if you'll, if you'll vouch for me in front of people, I'll vouch for you in front of my Father in heaven. That's it. You want Jesus to vouch for you to acknowledge you in heaven, to declare your name in heaven. Write your name in the Lamb's book of life. Would you acknowledge him right now in front of people? When I count to three, if you made that decision, you gave your life to him for the first time, or you came back to him today, either way, it's just as valuable. If that's you today, when I count to three, be the boldest one in the room. Just stick your hand straight up in the air. Ready? One, two, three, go. I gave myself to Jesus. There's one right there. There's one right there. There's one. There's one right there. That's awesome. God bless you. That's incredible. That's incredible. Praise God. Give the Lord a hand. Lord a hand. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's worship again for just a moment. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.